Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Tetra Hearing. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experience as a field, and to share our members' stories. Welcome back, everybody. We are back on track, regularly scheduled programming. Thanks so much for tuning in. This week, we welcome in the Light Foundation founder, namesake, three-time Super Bowl champion, Matt Light. We're talking about the Light Foundation, their youth turkey hunts they have going on, the great work they're doing uh, with all the kids uh, going through leadership courses, learn to turkey hunt courses, in New England, in Ohio, parts in between. We do all that and more. We're catching up with Matt Light, 90 seconds. Let's go. Turkey hunters, find everything you need to succeed at sportsmansguide.com. From decoys and calls to apparel, boots, and blinds. Plus, Sportsman's Guide has much more than just hunting gear. From fishing, camping, and adventure to family barbecues and backyard bonfires. For everything you love about the great outdoors, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Shop sportsmansguide.com today. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com slash conservation. Hey, y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Bird. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you. I don't know. I used to give people, I used to tell people all the time, hey man, who am I to tell you what you should and shouldn't shoot? Sure. But at the end of the day, I've kind of changed my tune on it. It's like, I don't even care about killing them anymore. I just like seeing them. Yeah. You know, it'd yeah. be cool to see some older age class bucks. But so you reach that, 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 that experience level right in your life and that age where you're not, you're not chasing numbers and body counts or you're not chasing inches or poundage. It's, it's just the experience. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right. We're rolling. So I, I always just kind of have the conversation <laughs> and, and jump right into it. We're down here uh, by Fox in Foxborough or close to Foxborough. Technically, we're not very far from Gillette Stadium. Yeah. Um, we're talking with uh, three time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriot, Matt Light, of uh, the Light Foundation. Uh, we got some a lot of ground to cover here in, in about 60 to 90 minutes. What, what, what we've got. I appreciate you having me into your home. Uh, thanks for, for letting us in. Well, we appreciate you being here. Yeah, we get the stadium about three miles south of us. And, uh, you know, as a guy that's now retired, yes, I get to do uh, a lot of other creative things. And, and a lot of what it is, is, as you know, the Light Foundation, the work we do with kids and through the outdoors. And uh, as I say, I'm fairly lucky, dude. Got to New England at the right time. Got <laughs> yeah. out at the right time, in my own opinion. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, been having a heck of a lot of fun. It was interesting to walk in here, right? I mean, you see and hear professional athletes with their their cause du jour, their foundations. And, you know, often aside from certain times of the year, say Christmas, Thanksgiving, you see them out there, photo ops, things like that. But I never hear about them like actually engaged. I walked in here to your boardroom. You're you're in there in the trenches knocking it out you're 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 there doing it is this do you do, you do this like every day full time or does uh, it consume a lot of your time i think i think our staff would maybe note that during the months of april and may i'm non-existent sure but you're doing <laughs> you're, you're doing the thing yeah you know it, it's it's a lifestyle i mean i think uh, if you're fortunate to do what you enjoy in life you don't look at it as work and right. you know it takes a lot to to manage a nonprofit. It takes a lot to do um, the kind of work that we do. Um, but I think for all of us, once you get into it, it's um, uh, it's just, it's, it's the reward makes it, makes all the challenging stuff very, very much worth it. And, and we've got an awesome team. I mean, you know, when I got to new England in 2001, 
I had I had no idea where the Patriots were located. I had never seen a professional football game in my life. And, um, you know, I would say within the first three or four years, I was really blown away at what this region represented from an outdoorsman perspective. Because, mm-hmm. uh, again, I was a fish out of water, never left the Midwest, really. And uh, got to come into a great situation and when, you know, winning championships didn't hurt anything. And no. uh, we had a lot of success in the field. But what it's afforded, you know, people like me and so many of my teammates and guys that, you know, do give back and are part of uh, their communities um, has been honestly much better than than winning Super Bowls. So. Sure. So we have a lot of fun. You know, the foundation's been cranking since 2002 and um, we try to do it better, you know, tomorrow than we did it today. But, um, you know, I think we've learned a lot, um, especially um, working with kids through the type of programs that we have, you know, here at the foundation. So. I think the last time we spoke uh, when this program was called the Strut Zone, um, your hair was much longer at the time (laughs) Uh, and we're in the Super Bowl championship. So there was a there was a promotion going on trying to get into the the booth and things like that. But well, the point I'm bringing up is from then, I think it was 2018, four years, you guys have done so many amazing things. I mean, the amount of kids you're putting through your, your turkey hunts and your leadership programs and, and really, you know, the empowerment with this young generation, it's, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was 30,000 kids a year. Is that what we're up to? So we at our camp in Ohio. So we have two different aspects of the foundation, which can be a little bit confusing for some people. We we do um, the majority of our hands on experiences um at Chinnawith Trails in Ohio. So that's about a 550 acre camp. Um, we have a little bit of everything there from lodging to trail based activities to turf fields in the middle of the woods, which I think we're the only I'm the only guy dumb enough to put a turf field in the <laughs> middle of the woods. Um, and, and and we bring in kids from all over the country to yeah. take advantage of the different types of programs that we offer at Chino with Trails. And then we have the camps that we run here in New England, um, like our Life Foundation Leadership Conference. Um, you know, we do um, kind of just one off experiences here with kids as well. Uh, we piggyback with other organizations. So, you know, there's a lot of different work that we do, but I think it all falls under this concept of when you spend time with young people, when adults spend time with young people, it's amazing the impact that it can have. Right. And, and, and it sounds simple to say that, but it's very difficult because if you're a parent, you know how difficult it is to spend time with your own kids, yeah. right? With the schedules that they keep with, yeah. you know, the demands from schools, the demands from sports, the demand from, you know, extracurricular stuff, or when they get to the point where they're working. I mean, there's times you walk in the door and you're like, oh my goodness, my kid's 13. Yeah. You know, I kind of forgot how old he's getting or yeah. she or whatever it may be. And and so those those times of yesteryear, right? When, when, when I was growing up, I was... Uh, um, I kind of grew up in that era where, you, you know, you didn't obviously you didn't have your cell phones right. and, and you didn't have the ability to disconnect from everyday life. And when my parents went somewhere, I didn't have the ability to stay home either. I had to go with them. Sure. And I had to watch and I had to listen and I had to be a part of it. even though I didn't want to. I did. And now it's not that way. Right. Not only do kids, you know, have the ability to maybe stay home when they should be going out and experiencing yeah. things, even when they're with their parents or significant other, whoever, right? They're not really tapped in because they have something that takes them away from those little interactions that go a long way in helping their development. And so I think that, you know, the more that we can focus in on, you know, just being there, being a good example, um, showing them what it means to work hard, because we can talk about it all day long or we can do it. Right. And, um, you know, those are the type of experiences that we want to have with the kids in our programs. I want to introduce them to the people like my 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 father and, you know, the people that helped guide me when I grew up and then expose them to maybe some of my former teammates that I spent time with on the field that they may think is pretty cool to be around, sure. but, but just, just really hold them accountable. And, and when it's all said and done, we use the word real through the light foundation. Um, how many real friends do you have? You know, what really matters in your life? What's real to like you, that. you know, and who are the real people that hold you accountable? And we talk about ours for responsibility. You're going to have a lot of those that gets worse and worse. They'll 
older you get, whether you like it or not. You know, we talk about ethics and, and how to be ethical and, and not just the outdoors, but in life, um, what accountability looks like and why it's important. And then ultimately that, you know, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to lead. Yep. And so that's what real is for us. And it's been fun working alongside these young people over these years. We talk about mentorship so much in, in, in our space, right? In the hunting community and, and outdoors and things like that. Um, a lot of it is mentorship to getting someone spun up to be able to go out and, and ethically and responsibly turkey hunt or deer hunt or something like that. But what you guys do, and I think what is necessary when we kind of talk about, talk around it on this program uh, is mentorship in life and you know, that disconnects so much. It, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because we're getting, there's so many resources. There's so much to learn, right? I'm, I'm the same as you. I think I'm a couple of years younger than you. I didn't grow up with a phone. I didn't grow up with YouTube. So there's all these great resources for someone that doesn't have a mentor. But when opportunities like this come up, real mentorship and being in that that space in real time, uh, that's important. And you said it, it's, it's life-changing. And, and we see that on our side, just putting someone A to Z through a turkey hunt. And how empowering that is. Um, I believe when you're when you're able to put some kids, get them in a situation and empower them to lead, that sets them up going forward. And then it's just like just like in our organization at NWTF, it's you empower one person through mentorships, you turkey hunt, are they going to take someone else out? And then it, you know, like rabbits kind of grows. Sure. Well, it's funny you say that we have kids that are coming back. You know, we started out our, our youth hunt in Ohio. Um, it was easy for us uh, to start there. We had all, a lot more resources than we he, we have here in the Northeast when it comes to land and opportunity. Um, but and I also had to go back if there would have been turkey in the late 80s, early 90s yeah. in Dark County, Ohio. I don't know that I would have ever gotten into football or sure. anything else. I probably would have been like a just a, a degenerate turkey hunter, you know, for for my life. Um, uh, so when, when I look at this this hunt and what it's done. Uh, for these kids, you know, we were on year, I don't know, 12, 13, 14. Honestly, I, I should know, but they all run together so yeah. long. But we do, we've done it for a long time in Ohio. And we have kids now that are coming back because they want to be helpful. They want to be around, you know, these new kids that are coming in. They want to be around some of these guides that they form relationships with over a two, three, four year period. And I think that that speaks volumes. You know, um, young people get pulled just like all the rest of us in 5 million directions. Sure. And they've got people advertising and marketing to them in every facet of, of their existence. Right. And uh, when they make a decision to do something for others, I think that that's when you say to yourself, Hey, we're doing the right thing here. Right. Cause that's, um, that's a mentality that's, that doesn't always get driven home. Um, and, and that's what we want to see out of our young people. Look, I don't care if uh, we have a youth that gets involved with a turkey hunt and then, hunts one year and never hunts again, because that's not what it's about. It's not about making lifelong hunters. It's about, you know, creating a, an environment for, for, for kids to step outside the box, maybe outside their comfort zone a little bit, look people in the eye, you know, um, earn the, the, the right to go out and participate in something fun. Whether or not they stick with it forever isn't what truly drives me or the people that are involved in it. It's mm -hmm. really, you know, what can make them a better person and what can give them maybe a little bit more confidence? What can uh, maybe open up their eyes to, uh, you know, something that they would have never had the ability to realize um, through an event like this. And, and I think in some of the cases, well, I think in all the cases, it's the people, right? It's not the sport. It's the people. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they get to meet an early, an early, an Ernie Calandrelli, yeah, yeah. who is, uh, you know, one of the godfathers of turkey talk. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and and a group like Quaker Boy has been with us for a long time and supported us. And when they get to be around him, it's no different than the first time I met her. And I was like, sure. yeah, I'll, I'd, I'd hang with that cat any day. <laughs> yeah. And we have so I mean, all of our all of our our volunteers, all of our people are like that. And uh, I think that's what truly makes us special. So. I'm interesting to hear hear about that, right? Like the not necessarily the recruitment side, but the reactions to to the young folks that you guys bring out. Because because for our organization, we are that's our business. We're looking to create lifetime hunters and, and do that. So ha, has there ever been uh, over the 12, 13 years, folks that were just like thought I knew what I was getting into, and I just I never want to do this again? Or has the majority of them been like I, I missed this, or I never knew what I was missing, and now I want this to be a part of my life? Yeah, you know, it's um, I'm I'm not. A, uh, 
I'm not a person that ever tries to uh, hold back or not say what I feel. The truth is I want everybody to be an outdoorsman. Yeah. Um, but, but the reality is, is that not everybody will, but I would say this, that, um, it's kind of like, I always, I always kind of have this visual for people when it comes to why we do what we do and why we focus on the outdoors. And I always say, you know, I've never seen, you know, the, uh, the person that, just left the office, you know, after nine hours straight and maybe it's a Friday and they've been going at it, you know, for the entire week and they step outside on a, on a beautiful day and they take a deep breath of air and they go, yeah, that sucked. I yeah. mean, it just doesn't <laughs> right. happen. Right. Exactly. Like it just, right. it, it's never the case. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the truth is, you know, uh, we, we do have a, a, a very, um, I guess I would say a large percentage of the kids that we take out aren't your avid hunter. Right. Right. And and I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. They're getting pulled in a million directions, but they're just not. Or they, or they haven't had the time to really be that. Every now and then we do have some that these kids are dialed in, yeah. but it's the exception, not the rule. Sure. And we always have positive um, feedback from those that are kind of new to it, or yeah. it's the first time they've yeah. ever done it. We've never had the, the alternative to that. We've That's never great. had the, the negative, whatever. So again, I truly do uh, feel the way that I feel in that they don't have to become lifelong hunters. Sure. But the reality is the majority of them are going to hold on to those experiences that they have at our hunts or, or other youth hunts. Um, and they're going to probably use that as a, um, a big part of, of kind of how they view the outdoors and hunting and, and the world around them. So my daughter uh, killed her first long beard at five years old Yeah, and has never gone back out since. Now, part of that's my fault. A lot of it's my fault because I never trained kids. Mm -hmm. I was never something that I had in my resume. I always mentored or trained adults um, and through my military training, you know, teaching people firearms training and stuff like that. That's, that's where my mind was. So I didn't start soft and easy. I just kind of kind of ruined her, I think. So there were some things, but to the point, my daughter had a good time, saw the camaraderie, understood the um, the community side of it, but it has never asked me to go back out. And I ask her every year, are you ready? I'm not pressuring you just when you're ready. She's like, nah, just not interested. And I'm like, I hope I didn't ruin her. I think she'll come back around. My son can't get enough. She likes the community side of that. Sure. Um, so I, there's no right or wrong answer that it's just it's just really interesting. Um, and then so take that another step. Like so that as kids focus, the parents, what's their buy in for you guys? Like, do they do you see a genuine like how do I do this and how do I replicate this after they're done with you? Can can I continue this on? It's funny. I, I, as you're talking about that, two thoughts come to my mind. Number one, my daughter, my youngest daughter, my oldest daughter shot her first bird at nine. And uh, and I'll never forget that experience in upstate New York. But my youngest daughter, um, who's about to be nine, uh, when she was six, she she went out with me for her first hunt. And a year before that, she got to sit in the blind and see what it was like. And and then I thought, OK, and got her all set up and had a mount and everything that you know could take the recoil and this, that and the other. And I remember that bird finally got to us at like 530. When I say finally, that was like, I mean, it was light at 505. Yeah. At 510, that bird hit the ground and it only took 20 minutes, but thank God it did because my daughter was running out of snacks at 530 <laughs> in the morning. And I knew that once that last bit of that cookie was gone, she was going to be ready to adios. Um, but it's just great memories of, uh, especially kids when they're younger. She's not, she hasn't been dying to go back out with me either. Mm. Um, but I think it's, it's amazing how kids take to it and, and what happens on the parents side. Um, I remember the first year we held our youth hunt in Ohio. I, um, I, I used to always take the top two essay winners. Cause we, we, we like to, we like to ask all the kids that are involved with our different programs through the life foundation to put some skin in the game. So I could offer up a youth hunt and just say, Hey, the first 10 to sign up or the first hundred to sign up, are going to be a part of it. Or I could say, Hey, answer some of these questions. Maybe it's pertaining to wildlife habitat. Maybe it's, maybe it's pertaining to, you know, certain topics and things that are going on, you know, at a certain time, right. You know, when it comes to bullying, when that was a deal, maybe talk to me about bullying and what you see. Right. So I, I, I want them to participate a little bit, give up a little bit of their time, earn the right earn to be accepted. Right. Um, 
But I would I would typically take the first the, the top two essay winners, and in this case, there was this young lady that was one of our, our top two, and so I said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to take her, and this is gonna be great. And it's the first year where her dad jumps in the truck with me, and I'm thinking, what what is happening here? Like that wasn't part of the gig, but I guess we didn't say that. And yeah. I thought, oh man, because you know when you're a guide and there's other guides, it's competitive. Sure. You know, like I want to be the first guy back with a bird, because yeah, yeah. that clearly means that I did my homework, and now I can dog all you guys, and. And now I got a, I got a father. I don't know what he's going to be good at or not good at. Well, it ended up being awesome because he filmed it. He got to capture that. He got to be there when his daughter shot her first bird. And it was a great experience. And and I, so I think sometimes you have parents that are, you know, very involved, um, with what their kids do at any level. And then some that just love the outdoors and just love being a part of it. Um, and I think it takes a, a little bit of push from the parents sometimes that for a kid to feel comfortable enough. I mean, you know, we're also talking about spending, you know, two, two nights in camp, you know, with people that they don't necessarily know right. very well. Right. Um, so um, it's daunting for some kids. And so when you do have parents that, you know, understand kind of the lifestyle, understand the outdoors, I think it's a good push. But again, I'll go back to the fact that most of our kids are, or first time hunters, you know, or, or they've done a little squirrel hunt or maybe rabbit hunt with an uncle or dad or whatever, but never really chased gobblers. And, um, it's, it's a new experience to them. So, um, you know, I love seeing a drive of young people that are willing to try something for the first time. And that's where we see a lot of the passion coming um, for the kids that do get involved. Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, this is my gig. This is what I'm going to do. It's it's such a I was just talking or marking with someone the other day about, you know, doing not doing like what what's the popular thing. Right. And that was a theme with my my teenagers, you know, just very punk rock and just kind of going against the grain. And, and I found that in hunting. I, I came to hunting late. You know, I, mm. I fished like crazy with my dad um, and the audience has heard the story. But for, you know, so for context for you, I always thought we were poor, like too poor. I'm never going to imposition. I'm never going to ask him. So I just I just studied digest. I just read rule books and kind of vicariously lived through that. And it wasn't until I was in the military that I was like, I'm doing this. I'm making this happen for myself. Right. Um, I just lost my thought that I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> and I totally spaced that this happens from time to time. Um, I think the point was. I'd love to help you, but I get yeah, lost every was, five seconds. So I it's amazing that I've stayed it. on topic for more than a minute. <laughs> I think I was I, I was getting to the fishing and, and and you guys do a big fishing program and making that accessible, right? So like it's not um it's not labor intensive. It's not equipment intensive, right? There isn't this big, what am I trying to say here? Like it's intimidating to put a gun in someone's hand. It's never done oh, yeah. for the first time, right? So a fishing pole is, is very welcoming. Uh, typically the weather's good when you're doing it. Um, we had a conversation with our, our CEO, Becky Humphreys, about, you know, going into the cities. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do as our organization. And probably the same as you is, is reach out and touch folks that have never experienced this before. Give mm -hmm. them a life-changing experience. Fishing inside, there's fishing that is had inside inner cities and things like that. And it, it just open so much how is the how is the fishing program juxtaposed to like getting kids out there with guns in their hands worked out for you guys yeah i, I think it's a it, it's a phenomenal uh teaching tool when there is a firearm involved right because i always go back to what my father told me you know look this is an awesome responsibility and i can remember you know when when i turned 11 there was this conversation of hey look back in the day when you were 11 that's when you started you know, to kind of become your own man, you know, it seems kind of crazy to say that now. I mean, now you look at a, you know, 13, maybe for some families, 18 for others, 21, 21 for, for some, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think we keep moving the goal yeah. line uh, uh, for whatever reason. But, um, you know, 11 was when I could have my first you know, firearm that was mine, had my name on it. So we went and picked out a Marlin 22, nice. right. You know, and uh, tube fed and thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And, and, uh, but it didn't, fall on deaf ears why that was happening. Um, not just because you hit an age, but because you earned the right, mm -hmm. because I spent time with my uncles and spent time with my father and, you know, uh, had more than once or twice, you know, a very stern, you know, scolding when I didn't do something that was sure. safe, that I, when I made a mistake and I didn't, you know, I didn't collapse, you know, I didn't just give up, you know, I wanted that awesome responsibility and I was willing to do whatever it took to prove that I could be trusted with a firearm. So when we work with young people, you know, look, I love fishing. I, I, I 
cut my teeth in the outdoors on fishing at a very early age. Um, I also grew up in a family where my great grandfather started, you know, lights outdoors column in our local paper. Then it went to my grandfather. Then it went to my dad's oldest brother. And I mean, that, that was a column that was featured um, in our community for a long, long time. And one that whenever I saw my name in there, because I was out fishing with my dad's oldest brother and my uncle Bob was the guy writing the column that I thought I was a superstar. Yeah. You know, because he was writing about, yeah. yeah. You know, like, you know, I took my nephew, Matt, and blah, 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 and time we went fishing. So um, I think that that firearm demands that kind of attention. And for a young person, it also gives you the opportunity to earn respect. And, um, you know, that's not something you can take lightly if you're, you know, someone working with young people. Um, But it's also neat to see when they actually um, earn that level of trust from you, right? As a, as a, as a mentor, as somebody that, you know, is taking time out of your day to spend with them, you know, if they're not tapped in, if they're not taking us serious, it's real easy to walk away from them when there's a firearm involved, um, versus fishing. Right. I mean, you know, Hey, you may take a hook to the lip or, (laughs) you know, you may have to be digging a barb out the hard way, but, um, for the most you know, in most cases, right. You're not looking at, you know, something that could go really wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that responsibility is something that we all feel if you're working with kids through the outdoors, but it's also something that provides a lot of satisfaction. Even from target shooting. Right. I mean, just being able to zero rifle or pattern a a turkey gun, Mm -hmm. just accomplishing that, that iteration of it. Right. And and learning the training and and maybe the nomenclature, uh, it certainly is empowering. I, I remember getting my military training. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is, that far away, like distant thing. I can't, I can't grasp. Like this is attainable. I can do this. I just got to sit down and learn it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think there's just, uh, there's endless lessons that come with that. We, and we do, you know, shooting, you know, through Camp Vahoakas, one of our big, you know, four-year leadership programs. Um, We do shooting with uh, other uh, sports. We actually just picked up and are now carrying on the traditions of a, a, a fishing program that took place for a long time in our area that um, they could no longer continue to do through that organization. So we picked it up. And so um, I I don't think it really matters how you're working with kids through the outdoors, um, but the lessons that come with it are are pretty incredible when it's all said and done. Uh, You know, you don't want to bag on the young generation. So much of that is done here in the last bunch of years, millenniums, whatever they're called right now today. But turns out, man, COVID, we were talking about it before we started this interview that or just beyond in the beginning that um, it, it kind of proved some of that wrong, right? There was some ownership that was taken. People through different motivations um, started getting in the outdoors for one reason or another. And, and the reason I'm saying this is because so many of them were pigeonholed into being like these self-aggrandizing, entitled, you know, do nothings and want everything to be given to them without earning it. Uh, some of them actually got out there, quite a bit of them got out there mm-hmm. and got after it. Uh, so I feel like the, the scripts being flipped that, Younger kids, they, if given the opportunity, are going to just just take as much as of it, it in and then gravitate to it and really just execute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I, I will never forget the conversations I had with guys going into the spring turkey season of 2020. And I told them, I said, I already know the writings on the wall, fellas. I spent a lot of time scouting properties and and a lot of it, you know, starts for the sole purpose that, you know, we have these kids coming in for this turkey hunt, right? And, uh, you know, we were also gearing up for a Rhode Island hunt that that couldn't take place in that 2020 season for obvious reasons, but mm-hmm. we did pull it off last year and we're really looking forward to it this year. But that spring of 2020, I told him, I said, hey, look, we are going to have a very, very congested environment when it comes to the number of people that are flooding into these properties mm-hmm. to turkey hunt. So make sure you know what you got, make sure you know where they are, because it's going to be difficult. And, uh, and I think that, you know, the last two seasons, if you're, if you're somebody in the woods um, and you're here in the Northeast, you saw it, you saw that there's a lot of people that had a lot more time on their hands. Mm-hmm. And for the Northeast, this is one of the greatest turkey rich environments there is on the planet. That's exactly right. And, of all the places I hunt, it's also one of the places that doesn't get as much pressure as they obviously do down south. If you were in Mississippi or Alabama last year, you would give anything to have heard a gobble. Yeah, It was a very difficult season. Um, 
but it's gotten a lot more difficult up here in a place where, you know, there, there really hasn't been as much competition. And I think if you're a Northeast guy too, and you grew up here, deer season was a no brainer. There's going to be a lot of people going to run into a lot of people if you're out on public lands, but the Turkey season wasn't so much, you know, you had to pick and choose your battles. Well, COVID changed that. And on one hand, it was really cool to see that the sports growing. And, but on the other hand, the competition made it a little bit more difficult, but I think all in all, it's always a good thing when people come to the sport of hunting or they just enjoy the outdoors. Um, you know, we, we need to have those dollars go back into things that, you know, will help out, you know, with our habitat and the restoration of certain areas. And, you know, we, we need to keep our DEM and our wildlife officers busy. Because if they are, um, our sport will continue to do what it's doing. What we don't want is for this country to become, unfortunately, like it has in some places already, what they have in Europe and other places where getting in the outdoors is only for those that can afford it. That's right. And you brought it up earlier, and and it's a good point. You know, there, there are barriers to entry when it comes to the outdoors, but in the simplest form, there really are none, you know, because right. you don't have to harvest a bird to be a turkey hunter. You know, you just got to have the act of going out. And honestly, the conservation is the number one aspect to the outdoors, period, especially for hunters. Yeah. You know, there's no one that does more than we do. We could say that toward blue in the face, but it won't resonate with those until they firmly grasp what we mean by that and why it's important. It's Massachusetts specifically and that knowing some of the projects that have gone on here being the past regional director for NWTF has done a phenomenal job. All the states really, they all do a great job, but I can speak specifically to some, some, some parcels of land that were released. They were overgrown. They were mismanaged. And now there are these meccas and the work that's done, like people can go play on that. And we're lucky here in the Northeast um, for most of new England, I guess at this point that, you know, we talk about it, if it's not posted, you can play on it, which freaks people out. So it's crowded, but you know, if, if you do a little homework and know where you're going, uh, the, the world's your oyster up here. Maine, especially. Go to Maine. Everyone go to Maine. <laughs> Maine is unbelievable. But, you know, you take a place like Connecticut where, you know, you could go to the Patchogue State Forest and cover, I don't know, 20, 30,000 acres. That's a phenomenal resource. You yeah. go to the other end of the state. Um, same thing. Uh, there's a state that buys a lot of ground at the state level and they keep it open um, for a small little area. You know, they're doing some big things when it comes to the outdoors and hunting. Um, Massachusetts, for as backwards as it can be in the in the realms of uh, Sunday hunting. Yeah. Right. Or a crossbow or, you know, any number of other lands that, you know, you should hunt, but you can't. Overall, it's one unbelievable resource, especially in the western part of the state. Western part of the state is is gorgeous. Amazing. It's like two different states. It really is, you know, and and so I guess I, you know, you know, I've called Massachusetts my home since I've been here uh, for the last 20 plus years. But um, I've always said that if there's one thing that I could do that would make me feel really good about my time in New England, it would be to get Sunday hunting changed. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like that one. It's, it, it'd be bigger than winning a Super Bowl, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, and and honestly, it circles all the way back to the fact that I work with kids in the outdoors. And hey, by the way, as a parent, I have two days of the week to teach my kids all the great things that come with being an outdoorsman. And one of those 50% of my opportunity is completely wiped out for some unknown reason that, that, that cannot be articulated in a way that makes sense or that is defensible. That that's hard for me to swallow. And it's almost putting people. And I've said this to legislators too. You're putting me in a position to knowingly break the law. Now I'm not saying I break the law and I'm not saying I would do that, but if you're an average guy trying to introduce your kid to something and you have one day, and by the way, those Saturdays that you may get to take your child into the great outdoors, well, guess what? You're competing with baseball and football and basketball. Oh my goodness. I mean, so the one day that you could definitely do it, the state says you cannot do it yeah. and they can't, it's not defensible. Yeah. So I've talked to many of parents and it's the reason I bring it up to legislators that you're, you're, you're trying to force them into breaking the law. That doesn't make sense. I've never heard it articulated that way, but I, I can, I can see that desperation and that's a bummer. It's a that's bummer. Just, it's a bad place to be. People shouldn't be in that position, but again, that's what, you know, that's what organizations like NWTF are, are important for because it's an education in 
and why the outdoors is such a great tool, you know, and, and, and getting back to the Turkey side of it, you know, look, every, every hunt I've ever had with my kids, you know, I've got a, I've got my youngest son's going to be with me down in Florida in a couple weeks. I've got my other son that's going to go to Kansas on a soldier hunt where we're going to be with some guys there. And then, uh, to Nashville to chase some turkeys on his own. You know, I look forward to those, those moments, those hours, those days, you know, a field with my boys and my girls. Um, I mean, my daughter still wants to come hunt with dad and she's in college, you know? So, you know, those are special moments and, and we should do everything in our power, whether it's a big organization like yours, or it's just the guy next door to you that wants to enjoy it, whatever we can do to foster those kind of memories you know, we should do. Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Bird. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com slash conservation. Turkey hunters find everything you need to succeed at SportsmansGuide.com. From decoys and calls to apparel, boots, and blinds. Plus, Sportsman's Guide has much more than just hunting gear. From fishing, camping, and adventure to family barbecues and backyard bonfires. For everything you love about the great outdoors, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Shop SportsmansGuide.com today. It's interesting the college age that you just brought up. Your daughter is, uh, you find that they, the teenage years, they're, like you said, they're pulled this way, that way, doing all stuff. Um, as far as a recruitment demographic, it's always hard to bring the college kids back because they're pretty much poor. They're busy, they don't have money. And if they're working, they're probably paying student loan bills or, or whatever they're doing, becoming young adults, right? Yeah. So the fact that they still have that resource and they're able to come home and, and, and maybe go on one hunt or two hunts a year, that's pretty damn special, man. And that goes oh, yeah. that way to continuing on, you know, especially in, in the R3 aspect. And, the, you know, we start diving into stuff like that. That's huge because yeah. we're aging out. Right. We've talked about this. We've identified this biology inevitably catches up with all of us. Mm. And if there isn't that replacement, if these young kids aren't turning into young adults, aren't turning into families, we're kind of lost. And then that voice goes away. Right. So, I mean, we talk about Sunday hunting, uh, making some headway. Pennsylvania flipped it a little bit. They, they're incrementally allowing some Sundays, which you never thought Pennsylvania was going to get. So there's hope yet maybe for Massachusetts and Maine. And I like golly days. I think there's one other out there, but those three stick out of my mind. Yeah. But you need these people for that voice. Me like foundation and new kids coming into this to get excited, to be jacked and to have this, this obsession, this disease constantly on their mind, because if there's no added, if there's no value to that, if it's just something I did, you know, I, I went to a football game once and it was pretty awesome. It's gotta be more than that. There's gotta be like you said, yeah. skin in the game because eventually these kids become our advocates. And when I'm 65 and 70, I still want to get after it, but I need that mm. generation coming up underneath us to, to be that, that new set of young adults being like, this is important. And this is part of who we are. This is part of our heritage as part of our community. Well, and, and look at the States. If you, you know, not, not to, you know, beat up the Northeast uh, completely, but you know, th- there are States here in the Northeast that do a great job, right? Um, New Hampshire is one of them. New Hampshire does a great job of trying to promote youth and the outdoors. Yeah. And, you know, they, they have grant dollars and, and, and things that are focused on some of the organizations that are in the state. I've been approached by them several times to do some work. Um, and I think that's, you know, commendable on, on many levels, you know, and then, and then on the flip side in Massachusetts, I can't take my kids on the youth weekend of turkey season, a weekend that's designated for kids to be in the outdoors. I cannot legally guide my own children. They have to go through a state sponsored event for youth hunting. And you wonder 
where can we, we need to do a better job as, as outdoorsmen, as hunters, you know, we have to be that voice because all these other states can't be getting it wrong. Yeah. All these other states that, that have allowed youth hunting and, and just how valuable of a time that is to continue our sport beyond some of us old timers, right? When we get to that point, um, because there's also a window of opportunity in your life that you can affect change. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that, you know, things like Sunday hunting can um, turn into a conversation on, on why, you know, those opportunities are important to make available. I'm, I'm hopeful that states like Massachusetts will allow the kids during a youth hunt to go out with their uncle or a mentor of their own yeah. that they feel comfortable with and not pigeonhole them all into one weekend with, you know, and again, they do a great job in Massachusetts and a lot of things. Right. Um, and they've got some great resources and there are some phenomenal lands, um, even even in this region. Right. Yeah. I mean, the western part of the state is phenomenal, but um, we just we need to keep helping to guide them into, you know, areas that, you know, people like you, people like me that are involved you know, in areas outside of New England, see the benefit of what happens um, and, and and articulate, you know, just how important it truly is. Cape Cod, you know, we're talking about the mass thing has like some really crazy, awesome turkey hunting. You wouldn't oh, think it outside looking in, but no uh, doubt. there's there's for a little string of land, there's actually some space and, and stuff. It's, it's a weird thing, Massachusetts, for the audience, because we, basically there's there's three parts. There's the 495 belt that goes to the left, the west of Boston. West of 495, it's it's country. Hmm. It's beautiful. It's open. You can go recreate. East of that, Boston proper, down to the South Shore, it's very crowded. The land use laws are different, but then you get out to the Cape, and it's a little different. It opens back up again, and if you're not a tourist, um, that's why turkey hunting out there is great right before the tourist season opens there's not a lot of people hanging out out there yeah and you're right by the i mean there's not very many times that people uh well i'll speak for a, a landlocked guy um if you can kill a bird and see the ocean that's a pretty cool that's day cool. you know <laughs> so uh i mean that's why places like uh you get down in narragansett south facing beaches rhode island yeah i mean those are really cool places to hunt but the diversity in the northeast i mean again look look, look at massachusetts you got the berkshires in the western part of the state you know you've got these uh, undulating little rollers, you know, that yeah. are closer to where we are here on the 495 belt that you mentioned. And then when you hit the Cape, that's like, uh, that's a whole different landscape. Sandy. Sandy. <laughs> you got some jack pines and some other weird yeah. stuff that you don't see other places. And, and it's just really neat habitat, you know? So, um, yeah, I, right. I, I don't want all these hunters to come to the Northeast, but <laughs> if you do, you're going to well, have a great time. They're doing it right. I mean, it's, um, this, the 49 state super slam is so prominent in so many turkey hunters mm. minds in the last uh, at least five, five years, half a dozen years. We're having an awesome conversation at a convention about it. Jason Hart of Nomad and myself and Mike Tussie of Osceola Outdoors. Like, is that a good thing? Like, it mm. was cool when a few people were doing it and they wrote a few books about it. And it was really like a percent of a percent of a percent we're actually fulfilling this right well now with all the resources that are out there you got you know guys like the public hunting and you know some other folks that are out there that show how you can do it on a meat and potatoes kind of budget and then COVID again i mean i was i went out to nebraska during 20 2020, no, 2021, had no idea uh, some of these people were putting Nebraska on the map. And I was like, holy hell, there are so many people in Nebraska. Turned yeah. out it was just marketing Nebraska and everyone was was there to kill a Rio and a, and a Miriams and then bust yeah. over to Kansas or go up to South Dakota if they could. And it was just the, the, the question we had is, you know, is it an ethical one? Like, do we continue to promote and push I'll put all this pressure? People come up to New England. There's six states. If I come up here and I do it right, I can definitely knock out three with Maine giving you all day hunting, right. maybe I can pull off a fourth. And that's a ton of outside pressure on these birds and the landscape. And Connecticut, you can hunt all day, right? Connecticut's so you think crazy. And Connecticut's five, five birds Private a season. Private land versus public land. You can kill a lot of birds. You can kill a lot of birds. And, and you know, there. I think there's going to be a, you know, the, the good news is that we have in, in a lot of these states, and I would say uh, DEP and, and Connecticut, they, they do a really good job. Hunter surveys, you know, getting to know the people that are actually out there exploring their lands and, and hearing the feedback but then doing their own studies. And so I think that in the states that do it right, 
they're able to track this data. You, you know, you talk about Dr. Chamberlain and, and the work that he does and mm-hmm. and what he brings to the table um, with respect to some of the things that are starting to affect these turkey populations and the worry that some guys have and the fact that last season, <clears throat> you know, guys didn't hear a gobble in some mm-hmm. places. I mean, you got to wonder what's going on and is it all pressure related? Is it more environmental? Is it a combination of both? Well, I think we've got bright minds and people that are exploring, you know, all these different you know, possibilities and scenarios. And, and as long as we continue to bring in that kind of data, I say that, you know, the pressure will be okay because they'll be able to mitigate that and the right way. But, you know, look, I'm taking my son down to Southern Florida to hunt true Osceola. And I've spent a lot of time down there. Pressure place, man. I'm going to tell you, and and the pay to play that I spoke earlier about this European model of the outdoors is really difficult. So I look at it and just say, you know, I hope that we don't get to a point where the average guy or girl or family can't go enjoy what is a guaranteed good time. Yeah. Because it's real hard right now. You want to go hunt Florida, a true Osceola, you're going to have to pay to play. You got to know somebody. You got to know somebody. <laughs> and, and like last year, I started out in in the Yucatan ch- chasing the oscillated. I saw and, those pictures. Man, that was a fun time. That was unbelievable. Um, don't really need to go do that again because sure. it's not like what we know is turkey hunting, mm-hmm. but just the ability to go do that. I felt very blessed um, and fortunate to do it. Uh, but you take any bird, you know, and, and, and again, we have the resource. We got to, we got to monitor it. We got to keep, you know, putting, putting dollars towards it and we got to keep supporting it. But um, it is one incredible resource. We uh, locally here in the Northeast noticed that same thing as far as the gobbling thing. And I, it is interesting that research that you're, you're referencing, you know, how much of it, is real how much of it is is aesthetics right is it and there's a value system there right because if hunters aren't going out and we why do we go out go out there for that gobble man that's that's life-changing you put a little kid with you at the end of a at the bottom of bull pine in massachusetts new hampshire and 4 30 in the morning and all of a sudden you can hear their breath the reps change like so you got to calm down because you're going to (laughs) pass out that's it we 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 chase that that gobble the, the, the tag filling is great. And you, you yeah. said that earlier. That's it's all good. It's gravy. It's the, the cherry on top. That experience. So the, the hunter uh, experience is, is is changing for whatever reason. Is it environmental? Is it predatory? Is it is it hunter pressure? Did they just figure it out and shut up? Right. Like did the birds just feel like every time these people start walking around my backyard? They right. make a noise. I make a noise. And then my buddy gets shot. Like, did, is evolution kicking in? It's just something me spitball. I don't know. Right. But it'd be cool to find out because they're there. Like you see them right now in winter flocks. Yeah. I got 200 birds over by my house. I got a whole bunch of two, three-year-olds that are just hammering each other right now. It's cool to watch. So they're there. They don't disappear. Right. And I think is, and we're learning a lot. I mean, sometimes I feel like it's just Tuesday at 11 o'clock. Yeah. Like they, they're just not going to gobble on Tuesday at 11 o'clock, <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, I can sum up, you know, my time in the outdoors and, and, and when it comes to turkey season, you know, there, there's one thing that I go, I go back to all the time, um, especially when I'm thinking about these youth hunts. I had a young young lady that uh, had been in our youth hunt for two years. And this goes back over a decade ago. And I remember we were we had a great first morning. We, we do a two day hunt there Saturday morning. Incredible weather was great got on some birds, but it just didn't happen that day. And we always ended at noon. We can hunt them all day, but we choose not to because mm-hmm. we want to get them back in camp and doing different activities because it's it's much more than just a hunt. And so they're learning all kinds of things on how to make a wing bone call, how to cook turkey. Nice. You know, maybe it's a, uh, how to, you know, have a conversation with somebody you've never met before, whatever it may be. Sunday morning though, man, we got to get it done. And there's a little bit of pride, you know, for, for me personally, <laughs> kind of take it personal. So I've, I've got her down um, morning sit, bird just didn't do what we thought they were going to do. Now we're getting down to crunch time and I've got maybe 40 minutes left and we hit a property and I dropped down in the bottom along this Creek and I'm working her through this skunk cabbage coming back through the thickest, gnarliest, worst stuff you could ever do. Now I'm known as walking kids legs off. <laughs> and uh, when they come back, their, their kid, their parents are getting about 10 pounds lighter <laughs> and very sore. And I love it. I just love covering a lot of ground. Yeah. I don't wait on anything. If the bird doesn't want to die, I don't want to hunt him. Yeah. Um, so that's just how I do it. 
And I got this poor young lady and <laughs> she is through this stuff. Now I know, and you know, to step on the little hummocks or the little, yeah. you know, piles of not mush. Right. 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 She hadn't gotten that memo, hadn't been <laughs> down that road before. And I look behind me and she's got one boot completely oh, no. buried to her knee. So I help her get it out. Boot stays in. I get the boot out. We go, I take a couple more steps. Boom. Next foot goes in. I dug her. She finally got to the point where I'm not putting these boots back on. Now she's just going because there is bird hammering and I know exactly where he's at. We got to go. So we work our way up this ridge. She has no shoes on. She's complete mud up to her knees and we get to a blowdown and I can see the bird. He's about 120 yards out and we're working. I'm working him. He's working us. He finally gets to about 50 and he's pinwheeling. And I know he's not coming any closer and we got 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I said, how, how stable are you on this bird? I found I'm, I'm, I'm on him. I said, you really on him? Yeah, I'm really on him. Now she's shooting a 20 gauge single shot. Mm -hmm. All right. I said, well, if you feel really good about him, let him have it. Poof. And that bird falls down. I thought, man, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. Now that moment for somebody that's never been there and never done that won't resonate the way it does for all of us that have been there and done it. Um, but that's why we do what we do. And that's why we'll continue to do what we do. And that's why it'll never not be a damn good time. That's exactly right. And like Colonel Kelly says, when, when it, when it stops, that's the time to stop. Yep. There's, that's just, a fact. there's no reason to continue. Um, I asked David Andrews this a few months ago when I was down at his place. Uh, he was on the show and I know we're mutual friends and you both just got fresh haircuts for a good, good cause. Right. Um, I, I think it's interesting when I have the opportunity to speak to the professional athletes, uh, current, retired. You guys have a platform. You talk to the 80 percent we always talk about in the middle. Right. Mm. And it makes you guys unique ambassadors to what it is we do in the lifestyle we live. Uh, talk about that briefly. Like, how is that? How how is, you know, your experience as a sportsman that parlayed itself into the light foundation, which you guys do there, you know, from your your colleagues, uh, sports colleagues to just regular everyday people like if they look up and see three times through world champion Matt Light, who, you know, protected Brady and all this stuff that comes with that and they see Matt Light out there hammering gobblers and he gets camo on he goes out there and do and does that and gets just as excited if not more so to do that yeah and listen i mean uh, it it it's it works two different ways right there's sometimes that i think you know it 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 is comforting to know that you know guys that seemingly are celebrities which i'm not a big fan of the word um actually do what they do. And it's kind of cool to know that they've got a, you know, a brother in that, in that kind of respect, right. Uh, on the flip side, I can tell you, I've been met by a, a, a few, <laughs> I guess the word is Karen's today. Sure. That aren't a big fan of that. Yeah, right? yeah. And, but I think the, 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 what I, what I say to everybody though, is that it, it's an awesome opportunity for us as outdoorsmen 100%. to articulate, to educate, and to show patience to those that don't think the way we do. Cause I can tell you one thing, getting angry isn't gonna, isn't the no. answer. And it won't, it won't do anything to, to speak truth into what we know this sport is all about. And so, you know, we gotta take those moments as, as difficult and awkward as I've had a guy in a, in a bathrobe at 6.15 in the morning, come out of his back porch. I didn't know I was that close to his backyard. <laughs> came over and just ripped me up and down until he looked at me and he said, wait a minute, do I know who you are? And I don't know. He goes, are you Matt Light? And I said, yes, I am. And then I was being hugged by a man <laughs> in a bathrobe with my arms at my side. I'm in full camo. And that was an experience that you just kind of had to be there to fully grasp. But I promise you it happened. And uh, But it was, it, it's interesting, right? Um, you know, not everybody's going to love what we do. Sure. But, um, you know, we've got to we've got to fight for the right to do and we got to fight the right way. There's a right and a wrong way to Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, as long as we can keep that in mind and and for those of us that, you know, maybe have the ability to speak about, you know, the benefits of, of the outdoors, um, uh, whether it's a youth hunt or whether it's a guy like David Andrews just doing what he loves to do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's, it's what it's something we can do. You guys have the the youth hung coming up. You talked about it a couple times during this interview about the process, the essay contest. So this will drop uh, next Thursday. So that by the time people hear this, there's still time yeah. to apply. Talk about the application process, what they expect in, in Ohio and Rhode Island. Yeah. So we have a deadline right now, I believe, of the 17th of this month. And we may extend it a little bit for Rhode Island. The youth hunt in Ohio is way early this year, but um, 
uh, it, it's still at a traditional time here in, in, uh, Rhode Island. So, and we actually uh, have the ability to hunt, um, other States here, but we do focus on Rhode Island. It's just a great resource. Yeah. But, um, if, if anyone's interested, whether you have a, a child of your own, uh, you have a, a nephew or a niece or a granddaughter or grandson, and you want to give them that experience, just go to mattlight72.com. Uh, once you go on our homepage, you'll have uh, information on our programming. Uh, there'll probably be a pop-up there too when you first come on talking about an event we have or maybe even, you know, this youth hunt. But our youth hunts are easily found on our website. Um, there'll be an application there, you know, have that youngster fill it out. The age is 13 to 17, um, you know, is that sweet spot for this this event. And uh, we we can't wait to hear some goblin and have some fun. And yeah, open to everybody across the country. Is it regional? That's right. Um, in the, in the, in Ohio, um, it's kind of that, that area around us in, in Ohio, we have, uh, multiple counties that kids can, uh, participate in here in new England. It's if you can get there, you know, from new England, um, and, and it's, it's for new England residents, um, okay. you know, definitely apply, but you don't need to be from Rhode Island. Perfect. You can be from Massachusetts, Connecticut, wherever it is, but, uh, we're just looking to have some fun with kids in the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, uh, like I started off saying when I first walked in and, and said hello to you, it's amazing from, our last conversation four years ago to to where you're at today and and just everything you guys the bandwidth you guys have now and the platform you have to to affect some incredible change and change lives i i thank you for what you're doing for being a, a default ambassador whether you like it or not uh that's 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 who you are uh, and that's how people are, are perceiving you so you, you got a, a heavy job you know it's, right. it's important but you've been I, you're watching it's been great i get excited watching uh y'all's video Oh, and before we go, I want to address the video. There was one more thing the Tom uh, Opry film. I setting this interview up. I had no idea you were involved in that. We just debuted his video, right. his film at convention yep. on our film night. And then I was buttoning up things with uh, with the ladies here in the office for th for today. And then all this crossover. I was like, holy smokes, we got so much to talk about. Talk yeah. about the film, how that came real quick. And, and um, you know, it's just everyone that was a convention was very well received. Well, listen, Tom, Tom's done a phenomenal job and he's been a warrior for uh, you know, the outdoors and conservation. And, and he's been that voice that has been able to bring people from both sides of the aisle together to yeah. understand things on a different level. And, you know, I think uh, Killing the Shepherd, you know, is something that if you haven't seen, you should check that out. It's something that, you know, kind of drew, you know, my attention. And, and, uh, and I met Tom out of shot show years ago. Um, we wanted to film together, um, before kind of all the craziness of, of COVID and all that. But, uh, we finally got a chance to sit down and, and, uh, we, we had a phenomenal hunt here in the Northeast yeah. and, uh, he featured that por portion of it, it was awesome. um, on, on, Turkey Thunder, right? Uh, you know, so uh, or Forest Thunder. I'm terrible with titles, but anyway, it's a it's a film, and it does have Dr. Chamberlain, and it. it's got you know a guy in Pennsylvania that has a really neat organization working with more inner city youth, yep. and you know it's telling the story of the North American wild turkey and the conservation and the efforts of NWTF and org organizations that you know in a lot of cases even hunters don't realize are out there fighting um, you know for our opportunities, and and he does it in neat way. Tom's got a, a cool way of, of showcasing and highlighting, um, you know, the things that make, you know, our sports so enjoyable. Um, so we had a lot of fun, man. We had a lot of fun shooting it. Um, we had, we had some success. I, I got a little, I get a little crazy when I turkey hunt, <laughs> may, you know, if you're watching, if you watch that film, you may understand me a little bit better, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was fun doing that. And, uh, it was also neat that, um, you know, it, it did get there for, for the convention this year. And I got a lot of awesome. calls from folks and, uh, you know, so it was, it was, it was fun to do it. He's a, he's a good, he's a good guy. Yeah. Matt, thanks for having us here in your home. Uh, congratulations on all the success of, of the film, the foundation, everything. You just, you've been awesome for, for what we do, uh, the sport of turkey hunting, the community conservation and, and all that. So continue success there. We're going to rally some troops, get you a bunch of NWTF volunteers. are going to help with these kids. They're super excited. I think I was telling um, the staff here earlier, I think we're going to have to have a, 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 an essay contest ourselves to see who's going to get the right to go. They get jacked up, man. And that's, and that's what's so cool about our volunteers and our members of the NWTF is that, you know, when you see that logo, it speaks to the personality, the, the, the quality of that person. I can meet sure. you out in California and meet me from New Hampshire for the first time. And I'm going to invite you to my house because I, I got a pretty good idea of who you are and what you're about. 
That's right. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I think that's a standard for most uh, most of us that are in the outdoors, yeah. right? I mean, it's a bit of a brotherhood, but it's it's the right kind of brotherhood. And uh, and listen, I appreciate Fred what you do and what. NWTF has done for a long time. So, um, 50 years coming up next year. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a bad, my goodness, bad number to, to tout. So appreciate it. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in down in Rhode Island here in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much to our guest, Matt Light, for carving out the time, inviting us into his living room uh, down there uh, close to close to Gillette Stadium there in Massachusetts. It was a, it was a great time. And, uh, you know, it's a, once again, another great story, different perspectives, different ideas. But ultimately, uh, people um, we continue to put on this program just continue to show uh, the awesomeness of, of humanity, of motivated people doing good things and, and how when you're genuine. Uh, people will rally to your cause. Uh, same thing with our organization. And that's, uh, you know, we see that day in and day out uh, with all of you uh, who sign up for memberships, who show up to banquets, who help with kids events, all of it, man. It's fantastic stuff. And that's what keeps driving this bus. With that, the bus don't drive without fuel and it doesn't drive without someone driving it. You guys are the driver. You guys put the fuel in the tank. Help the Yelp. We're looking for everybody to, to bring someone to the to the table, bring a new friend, bring a family member, uh, you know, motivate them. Text Yelp, Y-E-L-P, 44321. Again, that's Yelp, Y-E-L-P, text 44321. There you can sign up for your membership. This is it. We're in. the. We're in. Things are things are popping off. Florida is uh, is up and running. A lot of good times being had uh, by you know keeping up with our friends and family down there so congratulations to everybody that's getting after it uh, more states soon to follow that's it back to regular scheduled program like we said in the intro guys so uh enjoy this one if you haven't he heard any of the conservation um, or the convention conversations uh, you can go back check them out tons of content there with a lot of great people so um have at that on demand listening whenever you like take us on the runs uh take us in your car you know if you're on your way to the turkey woods in the morning catch up with us we love it also love it if you guys would do us a solid where available if there is a star rating just hit those stars man it, it helps us so much move up in the space and uh allows us to to get our storytelling and our messaging out which right now um Probably one of the most important times in our in our history to be able to tell our story and bring people uh, to the work that we are doing and that you guys help. Apple, iHeart, Spotify and wherever else you can rate, subscribe so you don't miss a beat when we uh, when we drop a special episode and off week uh, off week publishing. So that's it, guys. Uh, take care of each other. Be well. Shoot straight. Be safe out there when you're getting out there. Make sure you're uh, not shooting up someone's decoys and identifying your target. All the Ten Commandments of Firearm Safety come into play, keeping cognizant in the front of your brain so you can go home. Happy build tags. Everyone gets home safely. We'll see you next time, guys. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Turkey hunters find everything you need to succeed at sportsmansguide.com. From decoys and calls to apparel, boots, and blinds. Plus, Sportsman's Guide has much more than just hunting gear. From fishing, camping, and adventure to family barbecues and backyard bonfires. For everything you love about the great outdoors, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Shop sportsmansguide.com today. Hey y'all, I'm Jason Hart, founder of Nomad Hunting Clothing. Nomad is proud to be a supporting sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation and their podcast hosted by my longtime buddy, Fred Bird. At Nomad, we're bringing simplicity and authenticity back to hunting. Whether you hunt to escape your hectic work life, for locally sourced organic meat, or to socialize with friends, to uphold your favorite family traditions, we're with you and we do the same. At Nomad, we understand your gears and investments, so our products are engineered and priced for every hunter, tested in the real world, and designed to last. Hunting is in all of us. Nomad is with you.